committee will come to order, and uh, we are going to start the meeting. Uh, Senator Kane is uh, unavoidably detained at a uh, briefing, a security briefing, and so uh, I was going to wait for him, but uh, in lieu thereof, uh, we'll start. I'm sure he will excuse us for that. So I want to welcome uh, everyone uh, to this uh, uh, hearing today, and it's a pleasure to have all of these uh, nominees before us today. And I want to thank each of you for being here today and for your willingness to serve. The countries you've been nominated to serve uh, are tough posts. So I also would like to thank your families uh, for the sacrifices uh, they make in allowing you to pursue your roles as ambassadors. Earlier this year, the president released a new national security strategy highlighting the reemergence of great power rivalry around the world. Over the next few decades, competition between the United States, China, and Russia will guide many U.S. policy decisions. As we know, great power competition occurs all across the world, and the posts you each have been nominated to represent some aspect of these challenges. Uh, Mr. Mr. Bloom, Tunisia has peacefully achieved many political milestones since 2011, prompting observers to portray the country as the lone success uh, of the Arab Spring. Internal political tensions, economic pressures, security threats, and uh, greater regional dynamics nonetheless pose ongoing challenges. Despite a relative lack of conflict, Tunisia remains a potential source of regional struggles among rival political ideologies and among violent extremist groups vying for prominence in recruits. The survival of the Arab Spring's most successful political transition depends on several factors. The recovery of the economy is by far the most important factor that will determine the survivability of the Tunisian Revolution. Mr. Palmersheim, while Tajikistan has been a strong partner to the United States and international forces in efforts to bring security and peace to Afghanistan, the country remains a fragile and, and, uh, and in a vulnerable state. Uh, Tajikistan faces challenges including border security, widespread corruption, inadequate health and education systems, and food and energy shortages. Of the former Soviet states, it has the lowest per capita gross domestic product and the highest percentage of people living in poverty. Uh, many Tajiks travel to Russia and find work, and remittances account for over 30% of the GDP. Regional threats include violent extremism, terrorism, and the trafficking of weapons and narcotics. Given these conditions, Tajikistan must deal with both Russian and Chinese interests and influence. As these countries attempt to expand their spheres of influence, it is important that the United States remain attentive to developments there. Economic growth in Tajikistan is critical to achieving overall regional stability and the strengthening regional economic uh, integration. Mr. Mosher, uh, Kazakhstan is becoming a central player in geopolitics. The country has always sought a multi-vectored foreign policy to balance competing interests from abroad. Uh, with uh, Kazakhstan's involvement in China's Belt and Road Initiative, it has the ability to rebalance its relationship with Russia. The country has much to gain, but could face challenges. As the United States implements the President's Central Asia economic policy, it is important uh, that we not passively watch developments with Beijing and Moscow unfold, but that we ensure this process protects uh, Kazakhstan's interests as well as U.S. interests. Again, these are all challenging posts, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on how the United States can move forward uh, with those countries. 
So with that, I'd like to introduce uh, all three of our uh, nominees here today. Mr. Bloom has been nominated to be ambassador to Tunisia, born in Illinois. Mr. Bloom is a career member uh, of the Senior Foreign Service, having served as a diplomat since 1993. He has extensive experience having previously served in Tunisia, as well as many of the neighboring countries, including Israel, Egypt, and Iraq. Mr. Palmersheim has been nominated to be uh, ambassador to Tajikistan from Florida. Mr. Palmersheim is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service, class of counselor, having served in the State Department since 1990. He has served in several tough posts, including uh, Kazakhstan, Russia, China, and extensive foreign language, uh, and has extensive foreign language skills. Ambassador Moser has been nominated to be ambassador to Kazakhstan, born in North Carolina. Mr. Moser is a career member of the Senior Foreign Service Class of Minister Counselor and has been with the department since 1984. He has already served as ambassador to Moldova, but has spent time in uh, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and Egypt, and held several senior positions at the State Department. So with that, uh, I would like to uh, open the hearing and give each of you an opportunity. Uh, Mr. Bloom, we'll start with you and uh, hear from uh, the, our other nominees. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, members of the committee. Thank you for the opportunity to appear before you today. I am honored that President Trump has nominated me to be the U.S. Ambassador to Tunisia, and I appreciate the confidence he and Secretary Pompeo have shown in me by making this nomination. My wife, Debbie, and my sons, Nicholas and Carl, are here with me today. My daughter, Sarah, could not be here. Like most Foreign Service families, they've shared in the adventure and the great pride of representing our country overseas, but also the burdens of disrupted schooling and careers, evacuations, and long separations. And few of us could do what we do without the support of our families, and I want to take this opportunity to thank them. If confirmed, uh, my highest priority as U.S. Ambassador will be ensuring the safety and security of our people and their families and that of Americans living and visiting Tunisia. In 2011, the Tunisian people rejected dictatorship and reset their country's path toward democracy. Since that time, U.S.-Tunisia ties have strengthened and expanded. Tunisia has consolidated its democratic changes, partnered with the United States in the fight against terrorism, and taken steps to stabilize and open its economy. Over $1.3 billion in U.S. investments since the revolution have reinforced this trajectory. If confirmed, I look forward to building on the strong foundations of the U.S.-Tunisia partnership to advance U.S. security and prosperity. This will require sustaining our security cooperation to counter terrorist threats, secure borders, and respond to instability in neighboring Libya. Additionally, this will require working with our Tunisian partners to press forward economic reforms for sustainable and inclusive growth, thereby increasing trade and investment opportunities for U.S. and Tunisian businesses. It will also require encouraging Tunisia's leaders to follow through on their democratic experiment, building the institutions needed for long-term success and stability. I will describe the three pillars of the U.S.-Tunisia relationship, security partnership, economic cooperation, and political support. A major non-NATO ally and a member of the global coalition to defeat ISIS, Tunisia knows the real threat of terrorism. The United States has worked with the Tunisian military and police to empower a security sector capable of securing Tunisia's territory and population while respecting the rule of law and individual rights. Tunisia also faces the challenge of holding accountable its nationals who traveled to Iraq and Syria and Libya to engage in terrorist acts. With U.S. support, the Tunisian government is enhancing its capabilities to investigate, prosecute, and incarcerate these individuals. 
If confirmed, I would work to expand the security and counterterrorism relationship, helping our Tunisian power partners to stand as a force for stability. Tunisia's leaders have outlined a vision for inclusive and open economic growth, stronger anti-corruption measures, and a level playing field where U.S. and Tunisian companies can compete on the strength of their products and ideas. Tunisia's economic situation remains fragile as frustration with unemployment, the rising cost of living, and geographic disparities complicate the government's reform efforts. In partnership with the IMF, the Tunisian government has begun undertaking changes to rationalize government spending, encourage private sector development, and ensure young Tunisians are able to participate <coughs> in the country's success. If confirmed, I would prioritize advocacy for U.S. companies seeking to export or pursue investment opportunities in an expanding Tunisian economy. Finally, while Tunisia remains firmly pointed toward democracy, difficult steps remain to consolidate its political transformation. In 2014, Tunisia held its first free and fair presidential and parliamentary elections and finalized a new constitution and Tunisians recently voted in their first ever municipal elections. Despite this progress, the hard work continues, finalizing a constitutional court, tackling corruption, and ensuring that steps to improve accountability in the private sector do not impinge on civil society and non-governmental activities. Elections slated for next year will be watched as a signal of the Tunisian democracy's maturity and robustness. Thank you, member, uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman and members of the committee for giving me this opportunity to address you. If confirmed, I would look forward to leading the dynamic and talented team of U.S. professionals at U.S. Embassy Tunis as we work to advance U.S. priorities there. And I'm thank happy to thank you very questions. much, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Moser. We'd like to hear your thoughts on Kazakhstan, please. Thank you very much. Mr. Chairman, uh, members of the committee, it is an honor and a privilege to appear before you today as the President's nominee to be Ambassador to the Republic of Kazakhstan. I am honored by the trust and confidence the President and Secretary Pompeo have placed in me with this nomination. If confirmed, I look forward to working closely with Congress to advance our country's interest in Kazakhstan and to further strengthen the enhanced strategic partnership with Kazakhstan set by President Trump in his meeting with Kazakhstan's President uh, Nazarbayev in January of this year. I want to introduce my wife, Marie, and my daughter, Rebecca. Unfortunately, my two sons could not be with us today, but we are all very pleased to return to Kazakhstan where I served the 20 years ago. Marie and I and, and our children have fond memories of our time there. For more than a quarter century, Kazakhstan has been a valued friend and a strategic partner of the United States in Central Asia. We were pleased to be the very first country to recognize Kazakhstan's independence on Christmas Day, 1991. Sovereign, independent, and dynamic, Kazakhstan over the past nearly 27 years has worked diligently to strengthen its, its economy, investing wisely in the future through ambitious education and infrastructure projects. A country the size of Western Europe and the ninth largest country in the world, Kazakhstan is geographically strategic, ethnically diverse, and resource rich. Its population is young, energetic, and increasingly connected with the world around them. For the United States, our strategic goals in Kazakhstan are to strengthen Kazakhstan's sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity, and to support Kazakhstan's development as a prosperous, stable, and democratic state that is integrated into the world economy and that cooperates with its neighbors, the United States, and our partners to advance regional and global security. The United States and Kazakhstan have worked closely to pursue these ambitious goals. 
Following the renewed commitments of our two countries' presidents, if confirmed, I look forward to further enhancing our engagement as strategic partners. U.S. companies have long recognized Kazakhstan's potential and today have a strong history of cooperation with Kazakhstan to develop its tremendous oil and gas resources. United States investment in Kazakhstan has grown to nearly $30 billion, making Kazakhstan an important economic partner in the region. If confirmed, I look forward to strengthening U.S.-Kazakhstan commercial ties and to working with Kazakhstan in sectors like agriculture, manufacturing, and IT services as it diversifies its economic base. Kazakhstan has been a key supporter of our South Asia strategy, providing crucial support for our forces in Afghanistan and denying safe haven for terrorists. Kazakhstan continues to provide crucial, critical logistical support and access for our troops fighting ISIS and the Taliban in Afghanistan. We appreciate Kazakhstan's work to train and educate Afghan civilian specialists and to empower women in Afghanistan's economy. Kazakhstan can be proud of its work to focus global attention on Afghanistan and Central Asia during its rotating membership on the United Nations Security Council, which will successfully conclude this December. Since Kazakhstan took the courageous step to voluntarily renounce its nuclear weapons after independence, the United States and Kazakhstan have worked in continuous uh, uh, partnership for more than a quarter century uh, to safely and securely manage this part of its Soviet legacy. Kazakhstan has consistently been a leading voice for nonproliferation, working to ensure a safer and healthier future for the children of Kazakhstan and for the world. Kazakhstan today is a value partner in our efforts to rid the Korean Peninsula of nuclear weapons. I first served in Kazakhstan in 1996 uh, in our then embassy in Almaty as a management officer and then as energy attache. And as you mentioned, uh, Senator Rish, I have also served as ambassador to Moldova. If confirmed, I intend to draw on my years of experience in order to further deepen uh, our uh, relationship with Kazakhstan and also to effectively manage the, uh, the embassy. I have had years of experience in managing the organizations within the Department of State of hundreds of employees, and I will bring that skill to my job in Kazakhstan to make sure that we have an effective diplomatic platform that serves the United States interests and, the, uh, uh, and does the best job we can of strengthening our long-term strategic partnership with the people of Kazakhstan. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Moser. Uh, uh, Mr. Palmersheim, your thoughts on Tajikistan, please. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, good morning. Uh, it is a true honor and privilege to appear before you today as the nominee to be the United States Ambassador to the Republic of Tajikistan. I deeply appreciate the opportunity to testify this morning and am humbled by the confidence that President Trump and Secretary Pompeo have placed in me. If confirmed, I look forward to working with this committee and other members of Congress to advance the interest of the United States in Tajikistan. With the Chairman's indulgence, I want to mention my gratitude for the support and love of my family here today. Uh, they enabled me to pursue work for the United States abroad over the last 28 years. My wife, Natalia, has been a, pil a pillar of support and love for over 24 years, raising our three sons in often challenging environments overseas. 
Our eldest son, Arthur, is beginning his career as a U.S. Naval officer on board a U.S. nuclear-powered submarine. Andrew is finishing his studies and an Air Force ROTC program at the University of Maryland. James just started as a freshman at the College of Charleston. I have had the honor to serve as a career foreign service officer for the last 28 years. And throughout my career, I have had the chance to work with many fine Americans in all branches of government on promoting universal values such as rule of law and the protection of human rights and dignity. The teams I have been privileged to lead and work with have advanced US security and economic goals in countries across Europe and Asia. If confirmed, I would draw on this experience as, as, as ambassador to Tajikistan, taking a whole of government approach to solving problems such as strengthening counterterrorism cooperation and advancing good governance. Having previously served in the neighboring country of Kazakhstan as deputy chief of mission, I have seen firsthand the difficult decisions and incredible effort necessary to build a sovereign nation in the short span of 27 years and the important role that the United States plays as a partner that respects the sovereignty, independence, and territorial integrity of its friends, and, of its friends in the region. If confirmed, further strengthening the foundation of partnership and goodwill between the people of the United States and the people of Tajikistan will be my priority. Mr. Chairman, Tajikistan is, is a country of extraordinary natural beauty and rich cultural heritage. But as you pointed out in your opening statement, it faces many challenges. Tajikistan suffered a devastating civil war, which ended just 20 years ago, just, just over 20 years ago, with health and human development indices still impacted. Per capita, Tajikistan remains in the poorest quarter of countries in the world, and its GDP is the lowest in Central Asia. It imports close to 70% of its food. Youth, are under, youth under 24 are 53% of Tajikistan's population, a number that is projected to grow. Unable to find work in Tajikistan, close to one million migrant laborers leave the country to find work in Russia and other countries where the lack of a support system can leave them vulnerable to terrorist recruiting. And Tajikistan has a porous 800-mile-long border with Afghanistan and problems such as the illegal narcotics trade, trafficking in persons, the spread of terrorism and violent extremism are deeply concerning. If confirmed, I will work to strengthen our partnership with Tajikistan to address these serious challenges. Tajikistan has come a long way since the dark days of the Civil War. And with over 25 years of partnership, Americans and Tajiks can look back on a period of significant progress that helped transform Tajikistan and strengthen its independence and sovereignty. Continued progress in building out that partnership will contribute to, to stability both in Tajikistan and in the wider Central Asian region. Tajikistan's long southern border abuts the most restive regions of Afghanistan, provinces that harbor Islamic State and other terrorist groups, as well as Taliban-controlled territory. For years, the United States has been the foremost international supporter of training and infrastructure for Tajikistan's border guard service. In addition, the United States has been a strong supporter of justice and law enforcement reform. As Afghanistan's northern neighbor, Tajikistan is crucial to that country's economic development and its future as a secure, stable, and prosperous state in a broader Central Asia that is also flourishing. This is where Tajikistan's future and the future of the region lies, in the connections, sometimes rebuilt, sometimes newly established, 
of people, of businesses, of infrastructure, of administration, of trade and transit. The United States has been a proactive supporter of connectivity. Under the President's South Asia strategy and the National Security Strategy, regional connectivity has taken on a new energy as we seek to capitalize on momentum among states and to harness development and economic growth as a bulwark against radicalization. Hand in hand with intensive cooperation on key economic and security issues, we must as partners have a frank, constructive, and productive dialogue on Tajikistan's international obligations on freedom of religion and other fundamental human freedoms. A nation cannot be truly, it cannot be truly secure while suppressing independent voices and basic human rights. Mr. Chairman, if confirmed, my number one concern will always be the safety of our embassy staff at Embassy Dushanbe and all U.S. citizens in Tajikistan. As this committee's members are aware, in July of this year, four, four tourists, two of them United States citizens, were targeted and killed by attackers in Tajikistan who had pledged their loyalty to the Islamic State. I want to express condolences to the families of those who died and suffered in the attack. We stand with those families, and U.S. agencies are working closely with Tajik authorities in the ongoing investigation. If confirmed, one of my highest priority goals will be, as President Trump has recently asked of President Ramon, deepening our information sharing and counterterrorism cooperation with Tajikistan. Mr. Chairman, if confirmed, I will always be available to and welcome the opportunity to work with you, your committee, and other members of Congress and professional staff to advance the United States' interests in Tajikistan and throughout the region. Thank you very much again for the opportunity to appear before you, and I look forward to questions. Thank you very much. Uh, thanks to each of you, and again, especially thanks to your families. I've got a few questions, uh, and we'll uh, see if Senator Kane shows up or others who may have some questions. but. Mr. Blom, um, <clears throat> the president uh, in Tunisia, the president's secular party has had uh, a, uh, a fragile government uh, uh, put together with uh, uh, with the Islam uh, Islamist party, and reports are that that's gone asunder. Uh, can you enlighten us on that and uh, and tell us what you what how that's going to affect the country in your judgment? Thanks very much for that question. Uh, I think uh, to put in context what's happened, what's very important to think about in, in, in terms of Tunisia is where, uh, where they've come, uh, which is an extraordinary way since their 2014 elections, and in, including the coalition government that, uh, um, uh, that they've been able to hold together for, for quite some time. Now, I th what we see now are strains, uh, which are part uh, I think of the process uh, of the democratic process. Um, the important thing to see in that is that the parties themselves, the parties that have committed to the coalition, that have committed to working uh, within the government, have uh, adhered to the democratic contract, if you will. They have adhered to the constitutional standards. Uh, they have played by the rules of the game. And as long as they stay within those bounds, um, these kinds of things are what we're going to see there. Uh, they have very important elections coming up next year in uh, the end of 2019. Those will be both parliamentary and presidential elections. Uh, and that will be a milestone for them. It'll be the second major round of elections and it'll be a good indicator of the consolidation of their democratic process there. Um, so 
Uh, I think it's not surprising that you see strains and, and, and shifts at times uh, in the lineups or the coalitions and the way they look. Uh, but at the end of the day, the important thing to see uh, will be whether all the players uh, continue to adhere to the rules of the game. And, and I think that's the important context here. Uh, is the uh, upcoming elections causing some of the turbulence that's, uh, that's there today? I know We're, that's not foreign to a, uh, a democratic uh, progress right. uh, uh, right. situation, as we all know. Yeah, Mr. Chairman, I think, I think uh, that is, a, uh, that is a probably an absolutely accurate observation and, and, and something almost to be expected uh, as, uh, uh, as political figures prepare for election and, and something that is uh, part of the universal democratic experience in a, in a way. Um, but again, uh, I, think, um, I think we'll probably continue to see things like that happening. Uh, but the important part is the political leadership of Tunisia has remained uh, committed, uh, committed to working through uh, the democratic institutions that they've set up since 2011. Thanks so much. Mr. Moser, um, Kazakhstan, because of its size and its natural resources and, and just uh, its location is a very natural char target for what the Chinese are doing uh, as they reach out uh, around the world. And uh, tell us uh, your thoughts on, uh, on what counterweight we can be to that in Kazakhstan. Other countries have had not very good experience with China's uh, efforts in that regard, although seemingly well uh, intended at the outset, uh, uh, they don't work as uh, well as people thought they were. What, what are your What are your thoughts as far as China and, and Kazakhstan, uh, Mr. Chairman? Thank you very much for that question. And in my preparation for the confirmation pro uh, process, this is a question that I really have focused on because I think this is a challenge for the United States in many places in the world. Uh, the the uh, inevitably, we want uh, Kazakhstan to have a good partnership with China. It shares a very long border with China, and of course China is going to be involved. But I think the one thing that we need to keep reminding to our Kazakhstan partners is that, fr uh, that free and transparent markets will be their best guarantee of their, uh, of the, uh, of their own security and, of course, the correct uh, economic relationship with China. In fact, we want the Chinese, we do not discourage Chinese investment in, in, uh, in Kazakhstan. On the other hand, we want to make sure that American companies also have the, the same access that Chinese companies have. And we want to be able to make sure that it's an economic uh, level playing field where we can compete f fairly. Because we feel that that's the best way to guarantee Kazakhstan's future and also to make Kazakhstan closer to, the, the, to international economic norms. I appreciate that. Can you, uh, if you can, off the top of your head, can you give us some examples of the Chinese investment in Kazakhstan, some of the larger uh, investments or, or uh, incursions they're making there? Well, one of the most impressive investments in, uh, is that China is trying to shorten its uh, delivery of goods to uh, Western Europe or to Europe by going through Kazakhstan via a land route. This land route takes about 15 days as opposed to a ship transit of about 50 or to 60 days. So this would be tremendously economically beneficial. 
But what goes, what happens now is that there is a, uh, a city on the edge, very close to the Chinese border, where uh, the, uh, goods are loaded from one rail car to, a, uh, to the Chi to the from the Chinese gauge to the uh, Kazakhstani gauge. They have and two then, different gauges. Yeah, they have different gauges, and uh, and then, uh, but uh, so then those goods are then transferred on. Now that commercial hub is growing in size in terms of the number of, uh, of containers that it handles. And this is probably a what I would consider a, a very positive initiative because it actually it is beneficial for both sides. Uh, the, but I think that uh, we want to, to encourage the right kind of relationship between Kazakhstan and China. Appreciate that. <clears throat> Mr. Palmerston, um, in 2016, uh, a number of Tajik officials participated in several uh, organization for security and cooperation in Europe uh, workshops. I don't know if you're familiar with that uh, participation or not. And uh, obviously the purpose was uh, to develop a national uh, strategy for countering violent extremism strategy. But uh, lately it, uh, that has been criticized as a front, if you would, for uh, repressing political dissidents. Do you have any thoughts on that? Thank you very much for that question, Senator. Um, yes, indeed, there, there is a national action plan uh, for countering uh, violent extremism uh, in Tajikistan that the government is seeking to, to implement, and, and the OSCE and the United States as well is hoping to partner with the government and is partnering on measures that can be taken uh, on CVE to make uh, to make Tajikistan uh, more secure. But as you point out in your question, it is very important that uh, fundamental freedoms uh, be observed uh, in Tajikistan. And uh, we try to do that uh, as we have over, the, over more than 20 years in our bilateral dialogues, uh, making the point to our partners in Tajikistan uh, that security issues should not be used as a pretext to put pressure, uh, for example, on the opposition or the independent media, or on civil society. Uh, unfortunately, there has been pressure uh, in all of those areas uh, over the last several years. Um, recently, uh, you mentioned uh, OSCE, uh, Mr. Chairman. Um, recently, there have been a few positive uh, developments as well. Uh, earlier this year, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, just about a month ago, uh, the Tajik government did have a meeting with members of the opposition in Warsaw at the Human Dimension Conference uh, at, at the OSC meeting there. So that was, uh, that was a small positive. Another small positive was that um, some family members of the opposition that previously were not per being permitted to leave Tajikistan were allowed to, uh, to leave Tajikistan. But I, I fully agree with the premise of your question, and if confirmed, I would, I would take that sentiment with me too. Dushanbe and continue to make that point uh, in my discussions uh, with the government there. Thank you very much. Well, thanks to uh, all three of you, and again, a special thanks to your family, knowing uh, the challenges uh, that uh, that these posts face. Uh, uh, we uh, we look forward to uh, moving this along as rapidly as we can. Senator Kane is unfortunately still uh, detained in, in a, an important matter that he needs to deal with. He's going to have an opening statement, and uh, we will include that opening statement in the record. Uh, also, uh, there may be additional questions, and we'll keep the record open uh, briefly for uh, uh, four questions in that regard. So again, 
Thank you uh, to each of you for, uh, for your participation. Thank you again to your families. And with that, we will close this hearing.